When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and by Dominic Fifield of The Athletic. According to Jurgen Klopp, making history isn't what it's cracked up to be. I get what he's saying because in football, you live in the moment. But to understand the present, you have to be aware of the past. Remember Fergie? crowing about knocking Liverpool off their perch. United are now so far off the pace, it's embarrassing. They renew tribal rivalry this week, but times have changed, haven't they? Big time, yeah, (laughs) I mean, really have changed. They're on a different plane, aren't they, at the moment, Liverpool to, to Manchester United, the standards that they're setting on the pitch and probably off it as well, we'll get to that, I'm sure, are pretty fast. And when you consider the money that, that Manchester United have spent since Fergie left. You have to say that everything everything around Manchester United hasn't moved with the times. Liverpool, very modern club, modern structure, very modern manager that plays plays an attractive, fast brand of football. It's it, it, it's fantastic to see Liverpool where they are right now, but but equally it's a little bit sad to see United struggling. I do think they'll be back, Manchester United. These things are cyclical. I, I think they will. One day ruled the roost again, but it's going to take going to take a while. That's for sure. Mm. Let's try and be specific across the club, Don. In which areas do you think they are particularly inferior at the moment, United? Probably structure, uh, structurally behind the scenes. Uh, they seem it's quite an old school feel to, to the way United work with Ed Woodward um, signing off the deals, etc. I mean, obviously they've got a, a good scouting and recruitment department that is that is in place, but. But when you look at what Liverpool have done through Fenway with Michael Edwards doing the doing the deals for them, there seems to be a sort of pattern to it. And they, the players that they they bring in, they have brought in over the last four years, I'd say, have been very much you know within Klopp's philosophy ideology that's been running through their entire strategy. Whereas everything about United's been far more haphazard. I would say that last summer did potentially mark a bit of a sea change in United's recruitment policy and it was more promising what they did there with the signings of Dan James and Wan-Bissaka and the like and Harry Maguire you could even argue as well to be honest albeit they paid premium price for him but in the past when you look at the type of players they were signing before they were they were attempting to buy pedigree but pedigree that was almost past it 
mm. with Schweinsteiger, Alexis Sanchez, even when he went there, didn't, it just didn't work out. So if, that, if last summer was the start of a new strategy and they maintain that, then there is signs of promise for the future and that, that gap can be potentially be closed. Because mm. that's what's most impressive about Liverpool is the way that they get value out of players that you can't really see much value in. So I'll give you a small example. Alan Rodriguez da Silva, mm. they've just sold him back to Brazil, made a two and a half million pound profit on a player who had six months left on his contract, who hadn't been anywhere near the first team, and, you know, basically had been there and risen without trace. <laughs> yeah, look, they're very good at it. Um, Michael Edwards is, is arguably the best in the business at what he does. I mean, in terms of the players that they're recruiting, no real duds of late. They're, they're, they've all fitted in seamlessly and added value. And you could say that they've got top dollar for a lot of players. I mean, Solanke went for almost 20 million. Jordan I before that. And, and, and you, could, you could point towards a number of players that have gone into championship clubs they haven't really worked, but they got a lot of money. So, so yeah, away from the pitch, Liverpool are, are a slick, well-oiled machine. United are old school, absolutely. I think it's it's an absolute. People are saying Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got to go, and, and and he may not be the best candidate for the job. Is he is he is he worthy of being the boss of one of the world's biggest clubs? Probably not. But I don't think that's their biggest problem at the moment. I think he's a, he's a perfectly adequate manager. They need someone in that role that bridges between between him and him and Woodward. They need it desperately. And I, I don't know what they're waiting for. Mm, because you look at it, you've got a Merseyside derby. Okay, it was in the League Cup, which doesn't have the cachet of other competitions. Seven thousand empty seats at Old Trafford. You've got the fans now being very robust in anti-Woodward chants. Um. Yes, and that was the poison that that was very evident on at the weekend. I mean, with with those chants, you know, that's just the sort of underlying anti-Glazier sen- uh, sentiment that, that's, that's always been at that club in the in the, mm. the last because it went uh, dormant for a while, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. But it, I think it's always been simmering there under the you know under the surface, and then when I mean, it's ironic that it surfaced at a game where they won four nil, and you know, and were. Albeit they, they dismissing the team, the division's bottom club, but it is always there, and it, and it and it won't go away until there are major changes in terms of the ownership of that club, and that frustration will surface again, and you know it will surface at Anfield at the weekend as well. There are so many problems in, in that respect, and so much a, a very disgruntled fan base in terms of in terms of the Glazer ownership. But I, I, I just I just look at it and think. It is cyclical. You know, we could have made the same criticisms of Liverpool in the 90s, even in the noughties, actually. I mean, some of the players that they brought in, and we'll go back to the under Julio when they, you know, signed El Hajj and Salif Diaw, and we all thought they were going to be world beaters, but actually this didn't work at all. And they paid big money at the time for those players. And it's, I mean, even even what they did with the Suarez money. I mean, Andy Carroll for for that amount of money just didn't didn't work out. I think the basis of this United team is is pretty good. And and Ollie, bless him, it was a great excuse. And I, I'm full credit to him for going armed at the press conference when he said, "Look, people are raving about Liverpool's B team. 
beating Everton, but they, they were had an older average age than my mm. first team. It's a, it's a grey line, yeah. and but 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 it, it has merits, and and I do think that that over time, if they stick with this policy, United, they will they will get better. Yeah, it looks like they're going to bring in Bruno Fernandes from Sporting for sixty million. Yeah, wow, a lot of money to pay, isn't it? It's a lot of money, uh, not 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 by United standards. Is it? But, no, they've got that money, haven't they? I mean, yeah. that, that is one thing that will always go for them at the moment. I'd rather have a guy like that that's hungry on the way up, eager to prove himself at the highest level than, than, than carry a passenger like Pogba, who, who I think is just taking the mickey out of Manchester United now. I think he needs to, he needs to be shipped on. There's no doubt he's a, he's a brilliant talent, but he needs to go. And, uh, and if, that, if that means spending big money on guys like, like Fernandez and giving them a chance, so be it. Look, I, I spoke to Andy Brassel, uh, yesterday, European football expert, and yeah, he was he was full of praise for Bruno Fernandes. He, he thinks he's just the type of player they need. So so let, let's watch this space. Mm. Let's look at, at Liverpool. The one thing that struck me, Dom, uh, watching them at the weekend, was their the relentlessness of their perfectionism. Mm. You know, Henderson's going off the pitch, mm. spewing about it. He doesn't. You know, we, we didn't play well. There is that desire to continually improve and be the best. That says everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it, it says a lot about Jurgen Klopp, really. I think, and and the the mentality that he's instilled in a in the team. It's probably easier to be like that when you when you're yeah, 15 yeah, points clear at the top. <laughs> and it was a great win. I mean, I, you know, it was, it, it, what I like about the they're a team, aren't they? I mean, they. There are great individuals dotted around the Premier League. You can look at De Bruyne at City, or even you know the likes of Aubameyang at Arsenal. But Liverpool, as a as a collective, just function brilliantly together. And they, you know they don't always win emphatically. They they they've squeezed out a lot of results by one goal this season. But they're a, they're a, they're a machine. They know exactly what they're each other's supposed to be doing. And if those standards drop slightly, I mean that does threaten. If you know if one or two players don't quite function to to their top level, it does threaten the the sort of smooth running of the project but so which which is presumably why Jordan Henderson loses his rag occasionally but there's just so much so much to admire in in the way that they they're conducting themselves and and indeed walking this division mm. <laughs> what also struck me was that okay we we concentrate understandably enough on the front three mm. what about Allison as a goalkeeper is he the best in the premier league it's hard to think of uh, a better all-rounder, isn't it? Isn't it? I think Edison's probably the closest now. David De Gea has certainly fallen away the last couple of seasons. <sighs> the neck and neck, I'd say, Edison and, and Allison. I'd probably go with Allison myself if I if I was a manager, on size and and, and presence. I do, I, do, I do like that about him. But his handling so it's short. Just, it's just yeah, he's class. I mean, Liverpool, to, to their credit, they they knew exactly. They were a very good team before Alisson came and before Van Dijk came, but they were never going to be a title winning team unless they got top, top players in those positions. And they did, they put, they paid big dough, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't, you know, obviously they quibbled quite hard with Southampton at the time, that, that, that didn't go smoothly, but it, it was worth the effort. And uh, yeah, that those two transfers, when we look back, in the history of Liverpool Football Club, look back at the history of this great Liverpool side, one of the, the all-time classic Premier League outfits, the acquisition of Alisson and Van Dijk will be, will be a big turning point. It may not be that they, they spend massively on, on other players when they regenerate this team or seek to regenerate. I mean, we've seen their transfer policy now. They're, they're picking up 
bargains, really, or potential. But they, as, you, as, as Adrian says, they, they, they knew those two areas they needed to, to strengthen to, to get anywhere, and they, they paid premium for those two positions. I mean, would, it's unlikely that they go out and spend £100 million on a Jaden Sancho because they're more likely to either have them in-house already or, or to buy someone for 20 yeah, and develop. Yeah, you can compare it with Arsenal, actually, with going for Nicola Pepe, £72 mm. million. They, they really didn't need it. They really didn't need it, but they saw an opportunity and thought, yeah, we'll, we'll go for it. It's not looking great at the moment, but I think he's a talent. But, but had they spent £72 million on, a, on an awesome central midfielder or a world-class centre-back... There's every chance that Arsenal wouldn't be sitting in mid-table right now. So it is, it is choosing how to spend yeah, your absolutely. money. Absolutely. Mm. Tottenham on Saturday. Now, you know, you've worked a lot with Jose Mourinho over the mm. years. Did that sum up the fact that he's in danger of being regarded as yesterday's man? I, I, I get the, I get the criticisms that, that has flown his way, and and you know when you see what a, a Pepper or Jurgen Klopp has has developed the style of football their, their teams play, the sort of swashbuckling, possession-based, attack-minded football. It can make a Mourinho team feel slightly archaic and, and, and the approach feel slightly dated. But I do think there was pretty exceptional circumstances, really, the weekend. And at, actually, if, I mean, what are we saying? That Spurs should have just gone gung-ho and, and, and flown in at, at Liverpool from the start. I think they would have been absolutely hammered had they done that, and I think Mourinho knew that as well. And at least the way that they approached that game on Saturday evening gave them a chance of nicking something at the end. And to be honest, they could have done, like a lot of teams have said against Liverpool this season, they could have nicked something. They, if, if the finishing had been slightly more assured in the last 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, they would probably got a point out of the match. And then we would have been saying, wow, Tottenham have just taken, become the second team to take a point off Liverpool this season. And haven't, you know, Mourinho's tactics been brilliant. We can't sit here and act surprised when Mourinho does this because we knew exactly how his team would play. Spurs knew exactly how his team would play in, in, against, against fellow members of the elite. They weren't going to be expansive and, and risk everything to, you know, to go at opponents. This is just the way he is. And I still think that if Jose Mourinho is still there in 18 months' time, then Spurs will probably have won a trophy in that, in that time. It won't been won particularly prettily, but they would probably have won it. Yeah, he's got a... This job will test whether he can still improve players. Because he's going to have to, isn't he? Yeah. He's not going to have the funds. The quality of Tottenham's squad is good, but it's not great. And he, he probably needs better players to make his style of play work. And it can work. Mm. We've seen it down the years. Mm. But, but it means that he's, he's going to have to choose very wisely in the market and improve what he's got. And... Obviously, the jury is out on that at the moment. Because one of the things that's thrown at him is that he doesn't trust young players, yeah. um, you know, understandably in many ways. But if you look on Saturday, I thought we had an example of the culture that is established within the club at academy youth level, where you know, Jeffe uh, Tanganga comes in, John McDermott at that club has instilled a great ethos amongst all the younger players. With, with Tanganga, for instance, I can remember him telling me that he was a bit worried about some of his attitudes. Mm -hmm. So for two weeks, he made him go and work with the ground staff. <laughs> Good, yeah. And, you know, understand that, you know, here's guys, essentially... The real world. The real world, the living wage, you know, they're getting in, it's cold, they're outside, you do the same thing. Now, when you've got that type of culture at the club, why don't you use it? 
Well, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. yeah. Is that what I'm saying? Are there other players that yeah, they could... They probably run? are, but, but I suppose Mourinho is sitting there thinking, well, I've got the board that brought me in here to qualify for the top four. Uh, inevitably, with, with guys like... I mean, Tanganga worked almost in conjunction with Serge Aurier, didn't he, on... on I, I, I don't know whether he would have played him in a flat-back four and trusted him in the same way. He was actually more of a reflection, possibly, in all his defensive mm-hmm. prowess at uh, the weekend. But uh, he did well, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did, he did well, yeah. yeah. He played, he played him. Well. He played, played him and he played well. And yeah, he's got that experience. Maybe he is out to prove people wrong, Jason Mourinho. But he won't play them unless he, unless he trusts them because this is a big job for yeah. Jose Mourinho. This is huge. If he fluffs his lines at Spurs, Jose may never work in the Premier League again. So he, he needs to get it right. And, and it's not, he's not in this to, to mentor people. He's there to win games. He obviously felt that that, that young boy was, was ready. And I think based on what we saw, he, he was. Mm. How would you think they'd cope without Harry Kane? Well, I don't think they will. <laughs> <laughs> not particularly well. I mean, he, I don't think... Mourinho has the same faith in Son through the middle that, that Pochettino did. Yeah. I think they need to buy someone this month. I think I know Piatek is being mm. is being touted to a lot of clubs in England, not just Spurs. But he, I th- the fact that he's being touted, I think tells you tells, tells you that he's, he, he's maybe not. Yeah, top and it, it's not gone well. It's not gone well at Milan, has it? Well, it doesn't go well at Milan for a lot of people these days. He was he was highly rated at Genoa. That's true. Um, it's just whether they, whether they think that thirty million pounds, which is the, the fee being mentioned, is is considered a risk or not. And I would argue that a club like Spurs, with aspirations to be in the top four, regardless of the new stadium, and they should be thirty million pounds is 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 not what it used to be. Thirty million pounds for a player that has clearly got potential and and could do a job and potentially, you know, he could if he does well in this period could could work with Harry Kane. Is worth spending. How can Spurs, the, the colossal club, not have a backup centre forward? Well, no, I mean it's ridiculous. Yeah, but that's, that just reflects badly on on the hierarchy at the club, doesn't it? And yeah. and the fact that I think they've, they've they've sort of they've used it as such an excuse. Oh, we can't get anyone decent because they don't want to be a backup to Harry Kane. That's that's garbage. I'm sorry. There are tons of good players that would that would that would jump at the chance of, of joining Spurs and proving themselves. They ha- do have to buy. If, if they don't, by the way, if they, don't, if they buy that guy or, or somebody else and don't want to start him, Jose has to have a plan B tactically because you can't go as direct as Spurs are mm. without a, a guy that can hold the ball up. And, and Mora and, and Son aren't those type of players. They need to play through the lines mm. much better than they have done under him. Yeah. Are we seeing, because you touched on it, Dom, a, a reaffirmation of the limitations of Daniel Levy's strategy? It seems that they're almost this week going to be quite content to pinch Gedson Fernandez away from West Ham and have him on an 18-month loan. He's young, by the way. So yeah, he's young. Younger. But then the, the fact they're not, Paying the money suggests that they're not necessarily convinced that he's 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 the man. No, I, well, again, I, I spoke to uh, Brasso yesterday, Andy Brasso, and, and on that he said that it's, it's more coming from the Portuguese end. They've been stung too many times mm. by letting players go early for lower money. So the, the the new policy there is 
we'll we will loan you out for 18 months, by which time you'll be worth a considerable amount, mm -hmm. amount more money and then we'll do the deal. So I think it's come, it's one of those that Spurs can't yeah. get him in, in any other. Uh, but other I, th I, I know this is, I know this is probably not what you want to hear, Mike, but you know, we're mid-January at the moment. Let's, let's, let's see what Daniel Levy has sanctioned purchase-wise at the end of the month. I mean, it's, it's, this is what the, the Jan January window is a, is a difficult window, we all know that, and the type of player that is on the market generally that there is a reason they're on the market in January. It's difficult to prize away the best you know, stellar performers um, from elite clubs in this, this window. Um, but you can be driven by injury crises, which Spurs have got at the moment with Kane, and that can make it a more urgent demand that you go out there and, and find replacements. And so let's see how they cope with it. And it, you're right, it's a test. It's a test of the Levy philosophy. It's a test of, of what Mourinho knows about the market and, and you know, where he can he feels he can work with players and, and get the best out of them because they need something. They, they can't muddle on by again. This, this is a... I mean, arguably, that they... I know we're saying that Kane could be back in April and he has this phenomenal, I'll, I'll get back quicker mm -hmm. than before attitude to himself, but we might not see the best of Harry Kane at Spurs until May. I mean, that, that's the reality of it, the severity of that injury. Mm. Mm. Who takes... Who fills that void? for England, is it Tammy Abraham? You know, he's 13 Premier League goals this season. Yeah, it was an interesting debate, isn't it? I think it's, it's, it's up for grabs. Tammy Abraham has done brilliantly, much better than I think most of us ex expected. Stylistically, he's probably the closest match to Kane. So for Southgate, when he's thinking about the, the makeup of the team, tactically, it's, a, it's, an, easy, it's an easy decision to slot, slot Abraham in. It'd be fascinating. I know he said that he won't beg Jamie Vardy, but, but to, to come half a time. And but Vardy is the next best English striker, so so it'd be fascinating to see what happens there. Ings has to come into the equation, doesn't he? And uh, and I know that we're all guilty of getting overexcited with young uns. I tell you now, Mason Greenwood. If you want a player off the bench at the Euros, I know it's early, mm. and I know that people will be saying, "Oh, let, let him play, let him play." He. Off the bench, I don't know if if England have a better option at the moment. Have you seen the quality of his finishing? Yeah, but you haven't mentioned a player who's just played 200 games for Manchester United and he's only 22 and is having the best season of his life. No, but I mean, for me, Rashford, Rashford, well, Rashford will play, play, but he'll play on the left. I mean, well, where does Sterling play? On the right. And where does Sancho play? On the bench. <laughs> <laughs> we got it sorted. <laughs> uh, I, I don't see Rashford playing as the number nine. I don't see it. Not, not because he can't. But because he himself, well, you, how many times have we moaned square pegs, round holes, yeah, yeah. play players in the positions they like best? He likes it best on the left, yeah. doesn't he? Mm. I just think the way England play, though, I mean, uh, you know, physically, yes, Tammy Abraham and Harry Kane might be similar, but when, when Kane plays for England, he often drops yeah. into that sort yeah. of number 10 That's position. What Tammy hasn't got. And then, yeah, and the runners, you know, with Sterling, Sancho, mm. Rashford, whatever. And yeah, and Tammy England hasn't got like that. that. Yeah, although it's, and it's, it's what he's done is phenomenal, and 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 will keep Southampton up if he carries on like this. It's, his run is incredible. He's been I'm very pleased with him because he's had so many injury problems over the years, and he's just been waiting. For, he knew he had that ability in him, but I can't see him forcing his way into England's squad at this late date to be a regular starter, even with injuries to to gain to contain. Yeah, I just I just think yeah, Greenwood is a natural finisher, and when he comes in off the right on that left foot, he's two footed. I, I can see. Well, he's already proven that he's a he's a super sub of, of sorts. He, he might be a wild card. I'm not saying he should be starting, but but he he would certainly come into my thinking in Gareth's shoes. Mm. Take your point, Dom, about 
the unpredictability of this transfer window. Looking at Palace, do you expect Will Sahar to be there at the end of the window? Yep. Yeah, I do, yeah. The situation hasn't really changed with, with Zaha in terms of Crystal Palace's point of view. To them, he's still worth... He's actually worth £100 million plus because they owe 25% to United on any transfer fee. And so if they sold him for 80, they're only getting 60. And you're not going to get a replacement like for like that calibre, a player so integral to everything that, that, that Palace want to do. And for all Zaha's change of agents, now we've got Pini Zahavi working for him and, and putting out feelers to Bayern Munich and Chelsea and the likes. Doesn't matter if the, unless these clubs are willing to, to, to fork out the money, then he stays at Palace. He's got a contract till 2023. If I was, this is going to sound crazy given the last 18 months, but if I was Wilfred Zaha, I'd say to Pini Zahavi, Go and get me a new five-year contract to Crystal Palace with a hundred million pound buyout clause in it, on one hundred and fifty grand a week, whatever, whatever you want. If if I if I stay at Crystal Palace and I'm made for life, mm. if I don't and somebody forks out one hundred million pounds, then I get my big opportunity. Um, but Zahavi won't do that because, and it's all complicated. It's very complicated because there's a USM issue, and you know he's still under contract with USM. So if he moved now. And I think even if he moved in the summer as well, because I think that contract may run until USM the for the viewers and listeners. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's his previous agent, the World mm, Sorthouse's yeah. company, Unique Sports Management. So if, if he moved in that period, so Harvey got him a move, then there would be a commission owned owed actually to USM. So it's all very complicated. Well, well, modern no, football. That matters, that matters to, the, yeah, to <laughs> yeah. those involved. The, the, the issue I've got with Zaha is I think he's he's ready, but I don't I don't see that many gaps at the big clubs. No. Like, I don't. I don't like Chelsea, Chelsea are perennially linked with him. But I don't think he's really. I don't they've know, got a lot I, of his type of player. I don't know they? if he's that much better or even better than what they've got. And 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 Spurs, you could argue something similar with, with. Well, certainly with Son. I think I would rather have Son than Zaha. Would rather have Zaha than Mora probably. But but yeah, the, there are no sort of obvious no, gaps. No, they're not. And which is why the the sort of foreign option, the the, the, the Munichs or PSGs or whatever. Are slightly more interesting, but again, it's a it's a massive outlay for these clubs, and I mean the whole notion that, that Bayern Munich might have tried to get him on loan is such nonsense. I mean it's it's uh, I mean I, I, don't, I don't believe it happened yeah, to be yeah. honest, but it's it's if indeed it is such opportunism, it's almost it's almost taking the mic. I'm paying a hundred million pounds as as talented as he is, yeah. as brilliant as he is as a dribbler. Paying 100 million pounds for a guy that doesn't really score that many goals. Yeah. Well, that's the, that, that is still the point, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's outrage whenever that figure is quoted. Yeah. Oh, he's not worth that. Well, it, to Palace, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. They go down. He's that's 100 million pounds through the, you know, just for dropping into the championship. Yeah. Let's dwell for a second, if we could, Adrian, on someone who, when he does leave the stage, will miss. Yeah. Sergio Aguero. <laughs> you know, obviously we're talking about records, Premier League records. You know, beating Thierry Henry. It's almost a daft question. I'm, how good is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm really, really good. <laughs> he's, uh, he's just class, isn't he? I, I must admit, when he, when he, before he arrived in the Premier League, I wasn't that sure about him. I, I, I was, uh, he was a bit lightweight and he, he's, he's slippery, obviously very good movement, but wasn't convinced he'd be a success, but he's, he's been outrageously good, playing for the right club at the right time as well, mm. with, with the style of football that the City have adopted down the years. No, just, just sensational. I, I don't personally think he, 
he's as good as Thierry Henry was in his pump. I think Thierry was the was the best Premier League player I've seen. But but he's right up there, isn't he? And I think there's plenty of life in him yet. I don't I don't think there's any panic at Manchester City, or there shouldn't be any panic to to worry about replacing him just yet, as he proved against Villa. He's, he's still got it. Mm. City were terrific against Villa, but they had nothing to play against, did they? How good or what are the realistic limits of City's ambitions for the rest of this year? If, as you know, Pep says, well, Liverpool have got the league. Yeah, they, they've got to finish second, haven't they? At the very least, and so win a trophy. Well, Champions League, I, I, you know, they can. <laughs> they win the Carabao Cup every year, don't they? So they've won that. Um, they could quite easily uh, win the uh, FA Cup as well. It's finishing second, and you know they'll finish second probably with ninety odd points. Yeah. It's that. It's that ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the failures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it, I think it's it's been an interesting season for for Guardiola, and I think again. One where the, their recruitment department might look at themselves and, and think we, we probably took our eyes off the ball slightly last summer. And it's, you know, one bad injury to a, a, a key centre-half and not replacing Vincent Company adequately has really cost them. Bang on. Yes. Absolutely. And, and, but they will learn from that, presumably. Yeah, I think they let Guardiola down there. Or, or maybe Pep himself didn't push hard enough for it. I don't, I don't know. But that, it just doesn't make any sense, does it? Mm. With Villa, I said, you know, didn't have anything to play against. That looked a relegation team. There's a few relegation teams at yeah. the moment around the Premier League. Well, I mean, Bournemouth. So, well, Bournemouth looked worse than Villa. But yeah, Villa, it's a big month for them, isn't it? And, and again, it goes back to the signings. They spent a lot of money on Wesley. Didn't, it hasn't worked. He's now cropped. It's 133 million, I think. Yeah, I mean, some of the guys that they brought in, Douglas Lewis has scored a few worldies, but hasn't convinced as a... As a top-class player in his position, marvellous. Nakamba's not been marvellous. And, <laughs> and, 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 and at, at the back, there are, there are big problems. I think Holes, Mings, they've got good players there. I don't know, they're not special. Right. Yeah, it, look, by Tom Heaton as well being... Yeah, that's the that's a hammer blow. Yeah, it's dreadful. So it's yeah, like Pepe Reina's going to go yeah, in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to turn up today on a loan spell, so, so good luck to him. They need to choose the right striker. I mean... There are some good hitmen in the in the championship. I, I, I think I, I'm just thinking about where they might go. I'm looking at someone like a Jared Bowen or something at Hull. He, he's been fantastic, playing for a team that's particularly good on the counter attack, and that's where Villa will have to play between now and the end of the season. A finisher, someone that can score goals from nowhere. You know, if they've got that ambition to stay in the Premier League, I think they might need to show it in the transfer market in their pursuit of a, of a front man or even two front men because Wesley on his own wasn't enough. Mm. So I think they should go for two. The only, the only thing about Villa, and I know we, that was a horrible, horrible occasion for them, but they were playing Manchester City. Mm. They had actually won two of their previous three league games against Norwich. They were good against Leicester. Unconvincingly. Mm. Yeah, they were good against Leicester in the League Cup, but they also won at Burnley, mm. which a result that should set the alarm bells ringing at, at Turf Moor, because mm. um, they're, they're another club that's that suddenly Burnley are you're looking slightly dicey. So... Villa and Villa will target certain matches as winnable games, and what do they need? Probably four, five, four wins, four, five wins. I suppose, yeah. Look, I, I think that Villa are better than Burnley at the moment. They're better than Bournemouth. They're better than Norwich. I, I, I think they'll survive, mm. but you to lose Heaton, McGinn, yeah. and just main centre forward Wesley. Yeah. That's that's 
terrible luck. Yeah, I've got a bit of sympathy. I don't think that, I mean, I did something last week on this. I don't, it's not luck, though, is it? It's 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 a ridiculous schedule. <laughs> yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. It is a ridiculous schedule. There was, there was a round of Premier League games yeah, shoved in there, yeah. which was unnecessary. unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, we were talking off air about, you know, you did a piece about the, the physiology yeah. of, of a footballer. In layman's terms, how much physical pressure are they coming under those players? You know, I spent, I spent time at a Premier League club's medical department and sports science department and they are cutting edge and that, that wasn't, it wasn't an elite club, it was, it was a bog standard Premier League club. It's the same as, it would have been the same system that they have at Villa, same system they have at Norwich, whatever. Those guys are doing everything they can to get these players fit and available for matches but they're completely knackered by the schedule. It's, it's unreasonable to ask a player to play five games in two weeks, in, including the cup competition over Christmas, four games in 10 days, whatever you want in, in, in the Premier League. It's, they can't, these guys can't work miracles. I mean, they're, they're, uh, the managers are under pressure. The managers know that their, their jobs are on the line, so they, they, look at, they, they look at the results and the, and the data that's compiled by the, the, the sports scientists, and they know that there's a risk in playing certain players. They may not be completely recovered from the previous match. They may be coming back from an injury. The, the number of soft tissue injuries over Christmas, I think it's like 55 soft tissue injuries alone over those four Premier League games from the 21st through to the 1st. And then you've got the... I always thought the ACLs were like, oh, that's a freak injury. That's, it's not. There's fatigue when you jump in your muscles and your quads. You're landing awkwardly because your body isn't fresh enough and that's what brings the ACLs in as well it's something's got to be done and and Premier League clubs are actually saying okay we've got this winter break in February it's winter break where <laughs> half the half the teams play one week and half the team the next week just when players get into a rhythm where they play every week and their bodies get used to that take out that round of fixtures 28th 29th December and put that onto that other weekend in February which you've now allocated as a winter break and it's actually better for them to do that. Mm. I mean, they, they will cope better with that. And did anyone really enjoy any of those games over the year? They were all the players Stand, were standards are lowered. Like standards are lowered as well. Fans yeah. aren't getting as much value for money. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think we've come to a tipping point now where where that we this, no one wants the games between Boxing Day and New Year's. You don't need it. Mm. Championship didn't do it that weekend. Yeah, it's, it's daft and it's cruel, really, on the players. And, and too many good players have, have now been robbed of, of several months of the season. Yeah. Given all that, the last thing you need is to get your best player suspended for three games, which has happened <laughs> at Arsenal. Yeah. Open my aim. How are they going to cope without him? Well, they can cope without him. He's, he, he's been a talisman, hasn't he? Particularly away from he's home. He's scored almost half their goals, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think 75% away from home. So, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it's a big loss. No complaints about the red, about the red card. Um, but they've, they've got quality. I think Martinelli maybe will get his opportunity and he's a player that excites the supporters. They love him. It reminds that there are shades of Luis Suarez in him. I'm not saying he's going to have that career. He might do. Um, great finisher but so in insanely hungry to impress. And he's uh, got that edge to his game as well that, that, we, that, that fans of the team love, but maybe opponents won't. So no, Martinelli, I'm excited to see him. And it's up to others to step up. Lacazette is playing well without scoring. So he needs to, to step up. But look, on Arsenal, 
I'm loving Arteta's work. I've been, I'm so enthused by what I've seen so far and encouraged that, that he is the right man to turn around the team. He, he's going to demand a rise in standards on and off the pitch. And I'm already seeing, seeing huge strides being made. So, so yeah, this it's early days, I know, but, but, but very, very encouraged by Arteta. Mm. They're a good indication on Saturday because they've got Sheffield United mm. who are getting the maximum out of themselves. Chris Wilder's got his new long, longer-term contract. I think it runs to 2024. What are the realistic limits of his ambitions for that football club? Wow. <laughs> you know, they're just having a dream season under a manager who has been successful at every level he's managed that, I think, pretty much. I mean, including non-league. Um, yeah, a decade ago, he was, he was, he was Oxford taking Oxford out yeah. non-league. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, 10 years he's had? Yeah. And he just, uh, he, breath of fresh air. I just think it's, everything about Sheffield United is, is progressive and, at a, at a pretty much old school club, you go there and it's still the old school atmosphere and it's brilliant. And, and uh, they're living a, they're pinching themselves. They must be pinching themselves at what's been, at what's been going on. But it's again, it's meticulous planning. It's it's uh, they didn't spend they spent big money for them. I mean, people like McBurney costing twenty million pounds. That's a big signing. Mm. But they've actually got they've put a lot of other established Premier League teams to shame in terms of the balance of their squad. They've got like four or five strikers who can, who can play and they can rest people there. It's no surprise, they don't have any outfield injuries at the moment. Sheffield United don't. And mm. you know, you look at some of the other clubs that are playing once a week and have been in the Premier League a long time and they've got aging squads or they've got squads where they're heavily loaded in certain areas and they have nobody back up in others. Sheffield United have got a real balance to them. There's a real strategy, there's a real, he's, he's made sure, he and his recruitment department have just made sure that they've got everything they need to give them the best chance to stay in the division. And actually, they've just maintained all the momentum they've had for going through League One and the Championship. If you put Sheffield United and Wolves into... You had them wearing bibs. One's wearing a black, black bibs, the other wears white bibs. And you couldn't see the faces of the players. By watching them, you'd know exactly who they were, mm. wouldn't you? you, you you'd just watch the game for five minutes mm. and you would know, oh, that's Sheffield United. You can yeah. see what they're doing. But it's a really secure and strong identity. It's, it? Absolutely. It's, it's, every single player knows their jobs. We all know what they do. Stopping them isn't as easy for rival managers as, as perhaps they, they thought. So, no, it's been, it's been stunning from, from Sheffield United. I mean, they're already probably exceed... Well, they've exceeded their own expectations. I don't know how much further they can go. Obviously, Leicester won the league, didn't they? So, mm. so I don't think anyone should ever not dream of that anymore after what they did. But, but yeah, it's been, it's been brilliant. And I think Wilder, of all the, the young British managers is, or the young English managers, is, is, he's not that young, I suppose, now, but has got a chance, you know. He's got a chance of, of, of managing a, either an elite club or potentially being in the frame. For England, down the down the line, uh, it would be some good competition. Mm -hmm. But but because he's such a modernist, and because of the the brand of football that they play, I wouldn't be against it. If Southgate had walked away tomorrow and in, the FA turned to Wilder, I'd be quite quite excited to see that happen. Mm. Adrian mentioned Leicester there. Are they stalling? And is that because of the, the issues that yeah, you talked about? It's fatigue. It's fatigue. They just look knackered. Yeah. They just look yeah. really tired. When they lose, a, uh, it, it doesn't take a lot to disrupt these teams and for injuries to then creep in because 
you lose one one player through a it can be that can be a freak injury, and the knock-on effects of bringing people in who are ring rusty, who who might then pick up muscle injuries themselves, or playing people out of position who who's the bodies aren't used to playing that position, little things like that, which I was I was blissfully unaware of, I'll be honest, until this you know this time last week when I started researching <laughs> it. Indeed, his absence is massive oh, for them. Yeah. I mean, he's just been brilliant. He's he's arguably the the most one of the most effective defensive midfielders in the division. And okay, Chowdhury, fantastic. He's 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 got a load of potential, but he's now suddenly going to be asked to be playing three games in a week. You can't do that. You can't suddenly drop somebody in like that and say, right, here we go, just get hit the ground running. And so all their fatigue, all the, the, the problems they're having at the moment, you can trace back to a schedule that is too demanding. Yeah, and Didi has made uh, Tielemans and, and Madison look better players and Soinchu and Evans look better players yeah. because he's, he plays in between them. And I think he is the best, actually, considering that Fernandino is now a centre-half. <laughs> and Liverpool haven't really got one. I mean, you look around the league. I think I think indeed he's the one, and and he, Conte, I guess, is, is still doing it. But but yeah, he's he's the closest I've seen to Angelo Conte in terms of being a specialist in that in that role. He's worth an awful lot of money, and uh, it'd be fascinating to see if they test if a club comes and tests Leicester's yeah. resolve. Yeah. Look at Tielemans as a, as a as a prime example, yeah. player that you know last year came on loan to to Leicester and did really well, yeah. but in France. He's had a winter break. He's had a little. He's had a, mm. a breather in mid-season, and now he's suddenly. I mean, he's he's looked he's looked tired and in the, in the last few weeks and had to be rested. And you know, then you're asking Pyatt Pyatt to come. And it affects different teams in different ways. But Leicester is high energy, isn't it? Yeah. What, what is yeah. a Brendan Rodgers team? What's made them successful yeah. is playing at a high tempo, pressing. Mm -hmm. And if you are three percent down on the intensity of your work, Leicester. Are, are probably a 30% a weak aside. That's how important Absolutely. that that edge is to yeah, them. Absolutely right. So. I just want to end this by getting the tin helmets out. There's a quote from Stephen Gerrard saying that allowing the old firm to compete in England could, and I quote, save the Scottish game. Discuss. Yeah, you did give me a heads up on this, I must confess. And, and I've thought about it. And I'm all in favour. I'm speaking as a total football neutral, football lover. I think the the Premier League and the EFL would benefit from the Scottish clubs coming in, personally. What about changing it from 92 to 100 clubs, bringing in the eight top clubs in the SPL, inviting them in, start at the bottom, make them come through the leagues. And then you've got 20-team Premier League, 20-team, uh, four leagues of 20 across the EFL. Fatigue, you know, that overplaying is, is not so much of an issue. And I just think it would infuse the fans in England. It would infuse the fans in Scottish football. And let's face it, what is Scottish football without, without those, eight, those eight clubs? I, I would say that the supporter base must, must cater for 85, 90% of Scottish football. I think it'd be an exciting new, new chapter for British, for is British it real, game. Is it realistic to expect clubs of Rangers and Celtics magnitude yeah. in terms of, you know, the crowds that they get? Yeah and the traditions that they espouse, to start off in League well, Two Rangers or even the League Three. Rangers did it in... Well, I know they were punished. They, they climbed through the leagues. It was quite an exciting period for Rangers, wasn't it? I don't know. It's a, I, 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 look, I know that there is a lot of politics here and I know that there are people screaming, screaming at me at the moment, but just speaking as someone that wants the English game to, to thrive and actually for, for Rangers and Celtic to 
fulfil their potential as football clubs? Because they can't at the moment. Uh, I think they need to, to, to come into the English game. We've got Swansea and Cardiff and Newport. Why can't we have those guys? Oh, this is brilliant timing, isn't it? We've got a time where this country is <laughs> suddenly going to go into Brexit. Yes. We've got the Scottish <laughs> yeah. calls for Scottish independence mounting all the time and now we're going to say, yeah. oh yeah, come and play with us. Yeah. But <laughs> you, the, don't, you don't sound convinced but, then? No, no, no chance, no chance. I don't think so. I just think ugh, Rangers and Celtic... They, they, it would be brilliant. It would, it would be awesome. really exciting, but... And we always will remember the sort of you know the Leeds Rangers yeah. ties in the nineties and etc. But but no no sorry no no chance. <laughs> well, I think actually it's quite a timely idea, and Stephen Gerrard makes a really good point. I think this is what's going to happen. Once the Super League is launched, probably midway through this decade, the old firm will be in a revised Premier League like a shot. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.